All right, welcome to the latest edition of WARP in Cincinnati. Paul Andrew Jr., C. Trent Rosecrans of The Athletic. Happy to be reporting here. But we're going to talk about baseball today. Baseball. And, and maybe we won't be as negative as it has been. We'll still be, trust me, Trent's here. We'll still be negative. Wait. But. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong, but, but still, that hurts. A but little still, bit. why you gotta say it? <laughs> no, I I am excited that we can talk with some sense of baseball strategy, roster dynamics, actual gameplay. There's a lot. There's a lot to get to, and it's all baseball season oriented, not sad. Ruining the game, labor relations oriented. We're really, we're really moving in the right direction. Well, I'm glad that you're happy. <laughs> that's what I'm here for. Yeah. Well, no, I'm. That's great. I'm. I'm not sure how to take that. I don't know how I meant it. It's early. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got here's what here's we got a lot to get to. We'll start with this. Um, we're gonna we're gonna start by talking. We've got you're gonna hear from Tucker Barnhart, Dick Williams, uh, Nick Crawl, all of those guys who talked a little bit to the Cincinnati media this week, and on a few different topics. We're gonna we're gonna start kind of with a little tie a bow on how we got here, and the player perspective on this season. Um, you'll hear from Tucker there, and then we get into a lot of the logistics of the run up, which are uh, a plenty. Maybe uh, yeah. <laughs> there is a lot of logistics in trying to get to July 24th. So we're, we're going to talk through the roster that is set uh, at working out both at Great American Ballpark and at Prasco Park in Mason. Um, we're also going to talk about what that backup team in Mason should be named later on. Um, we are going to talk a little bit about some of the dynamics of that, why guys are where they are. Um and then some of the things with the breakdown of the rules, with DHs, with the, the rotations, which the team's philosophy that they have right now towards the roster, towards how they will go through this season strategically. A lot of interesting stuff uh, involved in all of that. Players are starting to opt out, not with the Reds at this point, but we're seeing those start to happen across Major League Baseball. We'll dive into that. The schedule should be coming up soon. We've got, we've got a lot of topics to hit. We're going to see how many we can we can run through. Trent, are you ready? Oh, yes. Always. Yes. Always. That's what I do. Well, let's let's start with this. Um what do you talking to Tucker Barnhart this week? I mean, we we talk about how these players have viewed all of this and there is this, you know, the the just tell us when and where we want to play and you do get a sense of players really feeling they they were beat down by this process and really just despised not being able to play baseball. And I thought that kind of came across with Tucker. I mean, he didn't really hide that at all from the very beginning. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> he, he, yeah. He's, it's just he's been excited to play the game. But there's that other side of it. And it was interesting to hear from him. And, 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 you know, he's not blind to what is going on here. 
And um, but in the end, this is a team that since I can you know since January like December since signing Mike Moustakas really is excited to play that really is looking forward to playing and thinks they can win. Um, there are players who have said it to me, like we have a really good team. We have a really good shot. And I think, you know, the ones that have been here that I know well, because they've been here, they're excited for this sea change and yeah, it's going to be different, but it, they're also going to be on the, on the field. And, they're like us, you know, you get a routine, you get a kind of a feel and, and you want there to be baseball. It's just kind of what you do over a normal period of time. And, and, and now is the time to just get it started and, and, and it won't be quote unquote normal, but it'll be something, it'll be baseball, it'll be, it's just kind of good to get started and that's what everybody wants to do. Yeah, uh, so there's two things that you know we're gonna you're gonna hear from Tucker and he's gonna just start off by kind of his summation of how they got here and and his thoughts on that and then talking a little bit about the legitimacy uh, of what this season is now set out to be so here is a uh, Reds catcher and team rep uh, Tucker Barnhart uh, well f- first and foremost um, I-, I can't even begin to tell you how excited I am to get back to playing um, I think throughout this entire process, one of the things that, that has been been the worst is that we've all wanted to just get out there and play. And I know there's been obvious circumstances that um, haven't allowed us to do so, a lot of them being this, this pandemic that we're dealing with. Um, however, these negotiations and all of this stuff, it's, it's been tough. It's been really frustrating. It's been really stressful. Um, it's, it's been about every emotion that you could really think of. I, when it all, when it all started for me being the player rep, I, I like went into it thinking that if in the event I have to ask guys to make a decision, or if I have to make the decision as the rep for our team, I'm asking guys either a to risk their lives and the, and the, and the well-being of their families or I'm going to cost guys millions of dollars one way or the other. And so for me, it was really stressful heading in, heading into all this. Um, but we've, I've been very fortunate and very lucky uh, to have the group of guys that I do have on this team uh, to help me through it, to help me out, voice very reasonable, logical opinions and, and thoughts. And it's helped, it's helped out quite a bit. Um, and, and I've never felt uh, this, this entire time, I never felt like I was on an island. Um, in, in the decision making and uh, so it's it's been nice but like I said it's been stressful um, and, and for me like it, it's just truly in my opinion it's a damn shame that the ramifications of this are going to be felt for a long time um, I grew up a baseball fan I am a baseball fan first and I think it sucks um, that, that it's had to go on the, the way that it that it is but I hope that I hope that um, getting out and playing will kind of mask some of the the bruises that, that the game as a whole has taken over over the last few months. Also, with a 60-game season, a lot of people have said that it may not be legitimate and there may be an asterisk or anything. How do you feel about a 60-game season and, and, and uh, its legitimacy? Well, I, in my opinion, I, the legitimacy piece, I, I don't – 
as as long as we're we're all all thirty teams are playing and we play a number of games and we play some sort of tournament or playoffs or something like that. In my opinion, I have no I have no feeling of illegitimacy. I guess um, now if we were to play a season and we get 30 games in and God forbid something happens where it has to stop, then I don't know if crowning a champion, I guess, after 30 games of a 60 game season makes would, would, I think I would feel a little bit different about that. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think that the 60 game thing for me, I mean, I, and I think everybody would say this, it's hard to play 162 games where you are completely invested 100% in your team's success. I think your, your personal goals and your personal things in blowout games, in one way or the other, like that kind of, you think about those things. You really do. I think that's the, that people, I would think be lying to you if they told you that they, that they don't. And for me, it, it's going to be kind of refreshing because in a 60 game season, legitimately every single game is going to matter. And, and at the end of the day, it's cliche to say like, well, if I went over four or four strikeouts, like, it, it, but we won the game, I'm fine with it. Yeah. But it, but in this, in a 60 game scenario, it is, that's the way it's going to be. And in my opinion, it's going to be, it's going to be somewhat refreshing to, uh, to play a season like that uh, where it doesn't really matter. You could get one hit and score one run. And if you win one to nothing and there you go, it's fine. Yeah. It, whatever it is. So, so as a, as the, from the legitimacy part of it, like I said, if we play a full season, a full 60 games and the playoffs are played and, and we get through it and a, I, I feel completely fine. And, and in my opinion, to be quite honest, this season, it's, we, nobody's ever going to forget this year. Uh, and so it kind of would maybe add a little bit more to it. Like the, then it may be years past where it's just so hum another 162 game season. Like, I, I don't mean to downplay that, but this this year is is gonna truly never be forgotten, and I think it would maybe uh, mean as much, or maybe even a little bit more, uh, if we were to win the win the whole thing this year. Well, one thing that stood out to me, Trent, in, in what Tucker said, is about the the phrase "somewhat refreshing," and and about how no one is ever gonna forget this season, and how and just a general, you know, the embracing of what this season is going to be and and how different you have to approach it and kind of saying, hey, if everybody's sitting there and has the same rules in front of them and you're going to play some sort of tournament at the end, like, it's it's legit and, and kind of tossing that legitimacy factor out. I, you know, I, I think I it's, it's it, for me, it's somewhat refreshing to hear players talking that way. Yeah, I mean, it's just... I think we're just all ready and it's, uh, it's exciting. And Hey, if you're going to play, I guess this is kind of what I know some players have said, if you're going to play, I guess it goes back to major league. Just go ahead and win the whole thing. Um, and, and that's what this team has been talking about since the beginning. And I, they haven't changed despite everything else in the world changing. Yeah. What do you think is the biggest difference in the 60 game? season you know i mean i guess you, you get into all right they're starting right here trying to get to it obviously with setting up the rosters and we can we can run through that uh in a second but i mean what do you think will be the the biggest difference in how the 60 game season is played 
Well, uh, you know, I think there's a immediate or immediacy like every game really does is going to count. Um, I always say that the object for a manager isn't to win every game. It's to win the most games. And there is a difference, especially over 162 over 60. There may not be, it may be to win every game because the margins are so slim. Um, and you could see teams fall out way too quickly and, and whole seasons get, get wiped out on a bad start. There's just, I mean, we saw the, the nationals have a bad start last year and came back to win it all. You're not going to be able to recover from that this year. So it's, um, that's going to be the biggest difference to me is that everything's going to be a little bit more intense. And even like you could say the extra inning rules are silly, but they're going to be huge in the end of this. Um, So you may not even want to try to play. You want to try to avoid extra innings. Yeah. What is, what was going to happen with the tiebreakers? Is there going to be a revisiting of the tiebreakers? Do we not know that officially yet? We don't know that officially for now. They could be the same, which are just weird because you're playing such a different schedule. You know, you're not playing. The Reds don't have to play the Dodgers. They don't have to play uh, the Diamondbacks. They don't have to play so many teams. It it, it, it just, it's going to be really interesting. Um, you play, let's, can we talk about the schedule for a minute? I learned yeah, something in. yesterday. Dive in. So you have 40 games against your division rivals. So that's four, 10 games against each of your division rivals, the Cardinals, the Cubs, the Brewers, and the Pirates. That's easy. Um, then you have six games against one team. Um, from what I've seen, but I haven't seen this as official, I know like the Mets, a lot of these teams have their traditional quote-unquote rival. And I've seen that that's implied, but I'm not 100% sure on that. Because one of the things that I think that could change just... Because if travel is the whole thing, it might be easier to pair Cleveland with Pittsburgh and then put uh, the Reds with Detroit. Now, I I don't know anything. This is just me kind of as a thought bubble. Um, And if you're the Reds, that's what you really want, because that would mean six games against the Tigers instead of the Indians. That would be a win, because the Tigers uh, are not going to be good. So, yeah, so that's a, I don't know, I don't even know if that's a possibility, but that's just me kind of thinking out loud. So, again, we have 20 against NL, AL Central teams, six against a rival. You have, I think, two home-and-home uh, home series, four games, so two and two. Does that make sense, to, to the way I put it? So you'll have four total, yep. two at home, two at the other team's home, against two other teams. So that's... 14 and then you'll have two three game series one at home and one on the road against other teams so uh the other two teams so yeah so that is another six games and that makes 20 that is to keep that 
quote-unquote rivalry, which you could say it's for the rivalry or for possibly for travel schedules, um, a help. That is how that is supposed to all work out. Yeah, Math. and yeah, there's there's and we end up at sixty, but when you end up with only sixty games, the amount of teams that are that are, could finish like thirty two and twenty eight in a tie. I mean, what is the current tiebreaker? I mean, like, what are what is the current tiebreaker? Do we know? I mean, I mean, I mean, no, you know, but I mean, off the, I don't know if you know it off the top of your head. Like, what shouldn't it just immediately just go back to d- division or some form of head to head? Right? I mean, um, the thing is, if you're in a wild card tiebreak, you're you're comparing apples and oranges in a lot of ways because they won't have played anybody almost on the same schedule. The bottom, I mean, the bottom line is this: the bottom line is. You're gonna have, uh, you're gonna have ties. It's gonna be different, you know. But it's win, win your silo, right? Win your division. It's gonna. This is no year more than ever is gonna be all about the Cubs, the Brewers, the Cardinals, and the Pirates. Like that's what it, this all comes down to. And and the fact that the what makes it really fascinating in this division is outside of the Pirates, obviously. I mean, you have. You have some evenly matched teams. I mean, you, there were, to me, it wouldn't be a surprise if any of the four teams won this thing, won this division. And then once you're in, I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, I think they're all very similar. Like, I mean, a world where we're sitting here at game sixty and all four could put, potentially end up winning it, or game fifty-eight and fifty-nine, those last series with all four still in play to win it, feels almost realistic like almost likely you're gonna go into that last two weeks as a you can go into those last two weeks as a total a total sprint and you know even the pirates last year were 29 and 31 after 60 games yeah you know and it, it it's it's crazy i mean you know a lot of things can happen and it's just we just don't know um, you know they were they were two and a half games back. They were forty four and forty five at the All Star break. And two and a half games back of first place. Wow. Uh, one one thing I want to talk because you know starting fast, being ready to go immediately, going to be a huge deal. Obviously, the Reds can't be like they were the last couple of years early in the season. I don't think they plan on that being the case. And a lot of that though is going to come back to who handles the run up the best so i, I kind of want to dive a little bit into the rosters i'm, I'm gonna kind of run down the the breakup between the summer camp roster uh and the prasco team and then bring in dick williams and nick crawl talking about a few different aspects of that and we can take it from there so uh here the basically i'm just going to run down the team that is uh training 35 players that are training at great american ballpark doesn't you know it's going to end up with 30 to start the season 
This doesn't mean that these guys have to come from there. It's just where they're training and, and where they have them all working together. So uh, at Great American, you've got Trevor Bauer, Matt Bowman, Luis Castillo, Anthony DiSclefani, Amir Garrett, Sonny Gray, Rysel Iglesias, Nate Jones, Joel Kunal, M- Mike Lorenzen, Tyler Molly, Wade Miley, Cody Reed, Sal Romano, Justin Schaefer, Lucas Sims, Robert Stevenson, Pedro Strope, Tyler Thornburg. Uh, your catchers are your catchers, you would think. Tucker Barnhart, Kirk Casale, and Kyle Farmer. Your infielders are Alex Blandino, Matt Davidson, Freddie Galvis, Mike Moustakis, Eugenio Suarez, Joey Votto, Josh Van Meter. And your outfielders are Shogo Akiyama, Nicholas Castellanos, Philip Irvin, Mark Payton, Nick Senzel, Jesse Winker. Uh, notables at Prasco. Uh, most notable would be uh, Aristides Aquino is, is there. Uh, Travis Jankowski, Scott Shebler. Uh, all the, those outfielders are back there. Um, and then a host of players who are more in the system. Jose Garcia down there. Alfredo Rodriguez, uh, notably not there at all. Derek Dietrich. Um, they left three spots open, um, essentially for flexibility to add. Uh, Dietrich could still be one of those. He's just not in the mix right now. Um, also, not the Hunter Green not there um, at either. He's basically... Uh, according to them, completed his rehab, but they're kind of, uh, it seems like they're trying to figure out how to maximize his development this year and kind of waiting on that a little bit. Um, I want to dive in to bring you, bring in Dick Williams and Nick Crawl talking on a couple of different topics. We'll start with Nick Crawl on why they split things up the way they did and some of the ideas with pitchers and then with Dick Williams a little bit on how this team was built and how they plan on attacking the beginning of the season. So here is Nick Crawl and Dick Williams. You know, for us, I, I know some people are doing this differently. Uh, some teams are doing this differently. Um, you know, for us, with having Prasco, I think it's 19 miles away uh, from Great American Ballpark, it's, it's actually really nice to be able to have that because – you don't just have one field up there. You also have, you have another turf field that, that we have um, that we have use of. So uh, for the first week of spring training, I think that uh, we're going to try to stagger it as much as possible, um, but you know, continue to have guys set up in their in their work groups to get comfortable with what they're doing. You know, you don't want to have all the first basemen in one group and all the, and all the second basemen. You want to be able to have you know a collection of guys in each group to you know, have double plays, just work on different things. And, and, you know, right out of the start of uh, summer training, I guess. Um, So the, uh, you know, everybody was put into a group just to maximize the the amount of work to be able to do, especially right at the beginning. And then you can change it because everybody on this group, on this list is invited to major league spring training. Everybody's still competing for spots. I think first and foremost, you know, like I said, we were all, I mean, people were shut down. So, you know, what, you know, maybe you were, maybe you had access to um, playing games, uh, you know, Tucker played that game in India and, and where you got to, to do certain things. And if you're a pitcher, did you have a catcher? Did you have, you know, um, did you throw some simulated games? How did this time off work for you? I think we have to come in and, and evaluate guys with where they are. And then once we evaluate where they are, it's a lot easier to make those decisions as we're moving forward. So I think we're still working through that process of, of where guys are. And, and you know, if, if somebody's behind, that might make a different uh, decision than if somebody is ready to go. Well, there's concerns about the fact that this, you know, is something we haven't executed before. But 
Um, I, as I've said repeatedly, I think it creates the opportunity uh, for the Reds to separate themselves, you know, with, with DJ and Caleb and Lee and uh, even Kyle and Eric um, in the minor leagues, helping the pitchers stay ready, stay focused, um, work through this period of uncertainty. I think we're going to be as well positioned as anyone uh, to get where we need to get. Um, we feel really good about the starters we have, the experience they have, um, the depth that we have. So um, I anticipate we'll be ready to go. Obviously, rosters ex are expanded such that we'll be able to, to beef up on the pitching side um, to help get through the early part of the season. I think, I think we'll be ready to roll. Guys like Trevor, man, they don't, they don't mess around. They, he could probably throw nine innings today. I built this team to have a DH. <laughs> we built this. We built this team to have a DH. You know, we've got hitters, um, and the ability to get more bats in the lineup is a great for us. So I was I was really happy to see that sneak in there for this year, just given the the roster components that we have. And I think it'll give the fans a look at it and the league a look at it to see if it's something that makes sense longer term. But but for this two month sprint, makes a lot of sense for health. Um, but from a competitive standpoint, advantage Reds. Dick, have, well, I guess, where does this come from? But is there any philosoph philosophical uh, consideration to a six-man rotation uh, is even early? Or is it too early to kind of uh, think about those kind of things? Yeah, I'll, I'll, let, I'll let DJ speak to that. Um, I know he's putting a ton of thought into how to creatively deploy the pitching assets. Um, I think it's very fair to say that we are very equipped to do a five-man rotation or a six-man rotation, um, but I don't think anybody feels beholden to the typical baseball conventions this year. But good to hear from uh, Nick Carl and Dick Williams. You know, one thing um, that stuck out to me from Dick Williams in particular was on top of, you know, I, I think we've talked about before how obvious it is that this team will – have an advantage with the DH showing up this year. We, you know, the the outfielder logjam feels like a silly conversation now when depth is going to be so important and DH available. You don't even, no one would even view anything that way at this point. You're not worried about getting guys at bats. At least I don't think they will be. I, don't, I think that would be the last part of the conversation. Um, but I, I thought what he said was important and it kind of connects to me with how they approached this season as a whole before any of this started, you know, from the top, from last trading deadline on, they were selling out for 2020. They were not going to divide this roster up with the backup team being full of prospects. They definitely want to work. They want as many guys, anybody that they think can be on hand to help them win in 2020, they're going to win with. And, you know, the idea of, you know, Dick saying, I don't think anybody feels beholden to the typical baseball conventions this year and the heightened sense of urgency, you know, that is in play with how you have to approach a 60-game season and how the Reds have approached 2020 as an all-in season in the first place. I, I found that that is probably what stuck out most to me from everything that those guys said. Yeah. No, I mean, that's this has been about 2020 for a while, and why change it? And uh, I, yeah, I mean, there's just no other way to go. So you might as well go all in and, and just double down on that. Cause 
that's where it will be. This is flags life forever, man. I yeah. just, you know, I hear this like, oh, well, there would be an asterisk or whatever. And I just reject that um, mm-hmm. because in the end it happens. I mean, there's no asterisk on that 1919 flag that I fly. Yeah. None. None. Um, the Dodgers don't put an asterisk in 81. Uh, when, you know, the best, the team with the best record didn't even make the playoffs in 81. Yeah. Is that any more legitimate than this? No. So, yeah. If, if there is a World Series, and that's a gigantic if, the winner's the winner, man. That trophy's still going to be there, and there's nobody going to be turning down ranks. Let's let's play under the assumption that the season actually plays all the way out, and that's a, it's an important to put that giant if in there. Huge assumption. The, yeah. Huge if. Let's just let's just start at the beginning. Really, we need to do everything. Just just take the next step. So the next step is preparing for July twenty fourth, and that is. How do you hand? How do you think they'll handle the pitchers? Like we, you, we've heard discussions about these tandem rotations, six man rotation potentially. Five. I mean, some guys might be more ramped up than others, and they've got to kind of get in there and see who's where everybody is at. There, that's going to be a big part of these next three weeks. Is figuring. We learn. People can say they've been doing their throwing and they're working out and they're where they need to be, but we'll learn. Uh, immediately when they all show up or the the coaching staff will learn exactly where they are at and who is where they need to be six man rotation where why does that make sense off the jump or why maybe doesn't it you know i think just because you're worried about guys arms being ready and being in shape uh and also if you have six uh six starters that you feel comfortable in now, the flip side of that would be that means probably you need more relievers and you're putting more innings into the hands of your relievers, which is, you know, honestly, the, the one of the strengths of this team is the starting rotation. So you want as many innings out of them as possible. So at that point, maybe even a four-man rotation makes sense because you say, well, these guys haven't don't have as many innings on them. Maybe they can sprint. Um you know, I know Trevor Bauer is a guy who would love to do that. I don't know about all the others. Uh, so, honestly, in the end, I think we'll see status quo for the most part. You know, I think there will be some teams that, that, that do some tandem starting, that do more of the opener, uh, maybe fill in one part of the rotation with an opener. Uh, but from the Reds, I kind of expect a five-man rotation. Nobody's Wait. told me that, but that's just reading tea leaves. Yeah, I mean, what? So, I would assume then you would move Tyler Molly to the bullpen as a guy yeah. who's there to take up those middle innings. I mean, and he'll he'll have more. I mean, he'll have a ton more value uh, because he's gonna get innings. You know what I mean? I mean, that's a guy who's yeah. gonna come in and and get as as much work probably in that role um, as he would if he was a fifth starter, just because of the setup, particularly early in the season. Yeah, and that's also a guy who is, you know, you're not burning an option. No. So that'll be interesting because there are still the options, and he has one option left. Uh, so, yeah, this is – there's a lot of ways to do this. And also the roster will be at 30 to start with, 
and after two weeks go down to 28 and then after two weeks go to 26 to be to begin the year that 30 you, you gotta think would you know you're you're mostly it's mostly about adding arms and having a few extra yeah. bullpen arms there for you um, as you get it going one one thing I've kind of thought about on that would you almost want to carry a player who you know for better or worse is your herb Washington or, or maybe a Billy Hamilton type that is for those extra innings I mean yeah. we all saw for many years, what it looks like when Billy Hamilton's on second base to start an inning, the the way that changes a game. And if you're talking about extra innings, to put him on second, well, with Billy, you could put him on first, and then he's going to be on second <laughs> in the pitch. Yeah. Um, but we've seen how that changes a game. And with the extra inning rule, I've wondered, like, do you make sure that you have a really speedy guy, a Travis Jankowski type, um, who is really fast? And is that an extra guy that you carry, especially with a 26 man? Also, your bench doesn't matter as much now with a DH. You don't have to have all these bench players. Yeah. Um, you could be more specialized with a bench player and a runner. Um, do you have a extra inning runner guy? Who would be the fastest person in their organization? Oh, that's a good question. Maybe a guy like Jamison Hanna who they got last year from uh, the A's in the Roark deal. I mean, he's a guy who's kind of a, a plus plus outfielder, plus speed. Uh, Mike Ciani, uh, you know, those are guys that you don't want to have to put on the 40-man too early. Uh, but again, like we said, this is a team that is really looking for, uh, for uh, you know, immediacy. And to be good in 2020, maybe uh, mm-hmm. maybe TJ Friedel is another guy who could be in there. Um, yeah. So there are guys who are fast that maybe you do that and with Friedel. All all three of those guys are really good defenders or plus defenders as well, plus defender center fielders, which you would expect to be speedy guys. So so I think that is something. Maybe a guy like Friedel would would be there. He had to be. He was Rule Five eligible this last year, so it wouldn't really change much for him um he would you could you could do whatever you need to do he wasn't picked in the rule five draft that's just he's not in this player pool he's not a prasco or cincinnati red um so yeah it's uh it'll be interesting that's just something i throw out there i i'm sure that's not going to be a thing but it is something as a thought experiment yeah, worth worth. Cons- I mean, in a, in a season where one game we've been, we're sitting here talking about how many tiebreakers there's going to be, and and where games are going to be decided for the most part in the tenth thing. The, the difference, Trent, you maybe have this. Uh, you know this a little bit better than I do, but I thought I saw the difference. And when they instituted the, you know, the runner on second in the tenth inning in the minor leagues was about a like almost thirty percent more games decided in that tenth extra inning. Than, than in the previous setup. Um, I mean, it's just, it's just the way it, it, it worked out in the minor leagues when they pre- when they used this. I mean, it's it's the defining moment of, of the game if, if you're in extra innings. And if they play, you know, five extra inning games, those going three and two or versus two and three in a year of tie breaks, I mean, <laughs> that's what we're talking 
it could be the difference. It could be the difference in having the right guy. Now, they obviously have speed on their team. I mean, you don't necessarily have to go dipping into into that level. Um, there are guys that could be up, but I think it could be a tiebreaker if you're talking about a couple who would maybe be up as number, like you said, number 26 or 28 or 30, wherever we're at, um, for somebody that you can use specifically. In that role, it's an interesting. Guy. These are, but these are the type, and this is kind of the fun of it. Like these are the types of discussions that are new, that are different, and you'll see which teams are able to move the chess pieces on this in a, in a game that's not even chess anymore. It's a different type of game, the right way, and, and who can push the right buttons and find the right strategy advantages because they're all out there and they're all different, and it's a matter of seeing how everybody reacts. And this is the type of stuff uh, that will be breaking down as. As the year goes along, um, I also want—I want to just, as far as the split goes, the—I think a lot. The uh, a main reaction was uh, Aquino in Prasco. Is there anything to that at all besides, hey, that's kind of an oddity. I didn't expect that. Well, it's you know, I think the amount of outfielders they have, and um, and service time is the least amount of the service time of those outfielders. Um, yeah. you know, Shebler has a little bit more service time, but he is, you know, he, he's coming off some, some poor seasons. I think it's, it's, it's purely a service time and way they're working it. Uh, honestly, as a DH, he brings some value. He's also a good defender. I, I, I think Aquino fits in, especially with a 30 man roster roster. I, I just, um, I don't think there's much to it other than. You know, when you're putting all this together, you've got to look at numbers and how they all add up and um, how you can get your work groups in. And I, I think that's really the biggest part of it. And it's I, 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 we've been talking since since January about how they have so many outfielders. Well, that's what's going to happen. Yep. So um, I, I think that's the biggest part of it. I got to tell you. You know, because what you have, what you have at sorry at, at GABP, you have a nice even six outfielders in Akiyama, Castellanos, Irvin, Peyton, because he's a Rule Five guy. You want to get the most looks at him, Senzel and Winker. Those are besides Peyton, those are your guys. Those are your five outfielders. I what what is Peyton's background? I mean, what's the value in him? He could be that um, that speedy guy. He's he just had a huge season last year um, with the uh, with the I think it was the Ace. I'm blanking, but he's a guy that is a good defender. Has had a big uh, power season last year in the Pacific Coast League, which is admittedly um, geared towards power. Uh, some of those those parks, but somebody's kind of started to put it all together. And, uh, he's just, it's, it's a wild card and with, he could start the season with them and they could just then decide against it, uh, because he is a rule five guy. So, but with a 30 man roster to start, he, he, you know, it could be those 28 days in, um, that you have expanded rosters that he could get an extended look. Yeah. We'll we'll see how all that breaks down. I do say I have been um, I have been enjoying uh, the ideas being floated to you for the names of the B team in Prasco. Yes, There's go a lot. go. Uh, 
Yeah, because I started and I didn't like my first one because it, it all started Andrew Baggerly in MLB Slack had um, some really good ones. What were some of my favorites that just made me laugh? I like the Oakland Bees because it's so like, simple. But it's just it's just right. And there were some there. You're right. There were. I, I was just. I was really enjoying. Uh, I was really enjoying that list. I liked the Buccaneers. Yeah, Buccaneers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you you went with what was what was yours? It was like reddish, but that was just like a start to try to think because like, they're not yes. really red. They're reddish, um, yes. and that's that doesn't work as well in print as in. Um, verbalized so a few that were floated to you uh that that i enjoyed um were first of all the the johnny bench warmers was i like that one a lot i i like johnny bench warmers uh because most most of the ones that were out there on on the list uh were specific plays off of the actual team name. Not a lot of going into the team player history out there. Um, so I, I I like going to Johnny Benchwarmers with the Reds. I thought that was that was pretty strong. Um, the ready or not? A lot nots, of plays on ready. Yeah. Yeah. Ready or not at the ready. Uh, another. I I enjoy those. Um, uh, St. Louis Cardinals, by the way, undercards. Nice. Nice. I like yeah. I like the undercards. You had redundancies as well. I like uh, redundancies. Yes. Um, um, one that the one that um, kind of was a sleeper on me that I didn't jump out at me at first, but the more it stuck in my head, I really liked was Camp David Bell. Camp David Bell. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Once you think of me, yeah, I liked I like that. Uh, so I was like, "Oh yeah, Camp David, I get it." <laughs> yes, uh, you know what? I've got the. Li- I want to. I just want to go through the whole list. People can judge some that uh, a- the Angels. Uh, let's see, the Halos, the Astronauts uh, for the yeah, Astros, the Rangers, one. Rangers, the Texas Strangers. Uh, yeah. Oh, this was good. The Mariners, the Submariners, which yes. which is pretty strong. Royals, Royal Slush. Chicago, the yeah. Might Sox, <laughs> Tigers, the Tiger. How about the How about the Tiger Woods? W O U L D S. Very oh. strong. Really like Tiger Woods. Um, uh, the let's see, Blue Jays had the JV squad. Um, the Yankees Bronx Q. Let's see, Tampa Bay Strays. <laughs> I like the Tampa Bay Strays. Um, let's see other ones I like. Rockies taken for granite. Not bad. That's, that's see, pretty I deep. Don't know. See, that's a stretch. It's a, it I mean, is a stretch. I like I like some that stretch though. I mean, look, the Giants, the, the Giants, they might be Giants. I mean, that's pretty. It's that's almost too easy. To it's almost too easy. Um, let's see undercards. We talked. Brewers near beers. I mean, near beers. That's really good. Near beers is really good. Uh, Cubs, the cupboard, which is which is good. You mentioned Buccaneers. Uh, School of fish for the Marlins. The fill in minnows. The, min- the fill ins is good. <laughs> the fill ins is good, and also in the Nationals, the National Reserve. 
or the National Ooh. Guard, also acceptable, which I really liked. Um, that's pretty good. But here's here's what the Reds is. And I'm going to tell you what it is. It's it's the red-legged stepchildren. It is. It just is. It just is. That's too. That is that is fantastic, and I love it. It's my it's my pick. I I like it. I like the Johnny Bench warmers. Um, I think we could call Presco Park Camp David Bell. <laughs> I yeah. See now we're using all of them. You know. Yeah. Camp definitely yeah. Presco Park is definitely Camp David Bell. The people there though would be the red legged stepchildren. For me, do you think it's too negative? Is that too negative? I think it's just too long. RLSC. Just the RLS. Just- I mean, I guess you could throw the C in there. Yeah. RL- I oh just yeah. Think- I guess. Yeah. Is it too long? Is it too long? Maybe. It's, it's a lot. Johnny Benchwarmers. Or so it's I guess we'll long. leave it. If you're listening to this, we'll leave it up to you. I think we're picking between the red-legged stepchildren and the Johnny Bench Warmers. So hit us up on Twitter. Let us know your choices, uh, and we'll, we'll we'll parse through what you think. But I I I don't know. I'm I'm partial to, to red-legged stepchildren. I don't think it's too long. But if you start saying it a lot, potentially, I I feel you. Um. The Tiger Woods. I'm just I'm feeling that. Uh, <laughs> so that's where we're at. What we're uh, just as, a, as one last thing that I said we talk about just to wrap it up. We're seeing um, a few players with the that are starting to surface now opting out. Uh, Ryan Zimmerman, Ian Desmond, Mike Leak, uh, all opting out of the season for different reasons. Uh, the Reds don't have any of that as far as we know to this point, and don't an- at least they weren't anticipating any of that. Um, the only thing they were working through was getting Pedro Strope back here, but they didn't think that was going to be a problem. It was just some logistical stuff. Um, but outside of that, I think they're anticipating everybody being here with them, but other teams we're seeing a lot more of some very, very real serious issues and tough decisions. A lot of guys leaving a lot of money on the table because of safety and, you know, there's lots of different reasons. So, um, I, I, you know, wish the best to all these players who are wrestling with this decision and, and you know, that everybody can try to pull this off as safely as possible for sure. But um, it's tough, man. It's it's a lot tougher than you would than you would think it is. Yeah. It ain't as easy no, as I just mean, go play. And it's, it's tough for me, you know. Yeah. Do I travel? Do I not travel? Do I go to the ballpark? Do I, you know, there are things. You're worried about your family. This is real stuff. And. Um, we'll all make our decisions and I think we all make our decisions for our own reasons and they should all be respected. I mean, quite honestly, I do not begrudge anyone who says I don't feel safe not doing something. I mean, that's what I tell my kid. If you don't feel safe doing something, don't do it. It's exactly. a basic tenant. Mm-hmm. And I will, I, I just, I, nobody owes us a reason. Nobody owes us a reason. No, you know, I see, well, why are they saying this? No, I don't care. They have their reasons. They're personal. They just don't. We don't have to get a reason. We don't have to spell it out. And like, you know, Mike Leake, there's certainly some that are that are obvious. Um, And you got to respect that. But in the end, it doesn't freaking matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. 
you do what you think is best for you and your family and that's what's most important and um we you know i i, I think you'll see well what about their team well these guys get cut all the time yeah you know, i always see i always see that in like football it's like the team don't care about them so they don't care about why should they care about that in yeah. the end you can only take care of yourself and if it's between my team as much as i love my team at the athletic and i love all the people i work with you know you dave paul justin the whole crew the whole baseball crew if it comes down to you or my daughter sorry paul <laughs> yeah i would hope so <laughs> well that's i think honestly the te- loyalty to teammates is the only th- thing bringing these guys back you know, I mean, love of baseball, obviously, but loyalty to team and 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 devotion to your teammates is is what makes this the only reason that you don't see the whole the whole season not even being played. I mean, I think the most of these guys are doing it for their teammates and are doing it for the game. I mean, yeah, money. I mean, we know all that stuff, but I think that is a big part of of the equation and and that's why i think it's so hard for a lot of these guys you know that there's a lot you know ian desmond we see these heartfelt posts about why they're doing this like the, it it really wears on these guys and a big factor of that is is not wanting to let their team down wanting to be part of that with those guys but there's just it's just different this year and you're right this is that they don't owe any explanation to anybody they want to offer it that's great and and you can get a little bit of insight into why this is so hard for some of these guys um but you know, for the most part, it's just tough, uh, and and it, that's that's what everything is right now. Is a lot of decisions that are going to have to be made by people, um, and we'll be here to talk about them. So we've got all this coming up next. You know, we'll, we'll be leading up to players will have reported. Um, we have all this lead up, and the schedule should be out. So all of this is coming up. We'll be breaking it all down for you as we get closer to hopefully to opening day, and hopefully to uh, everything going off without a hitch. But it'll be very, very interesting once everybody actually starts congregating and working out together and such. So a lot of fun to come. We shall see. Uh, all right. Well, thanks everybody for listening, and we will talk to you next time on WARP in Cincinnati. Ooh.